Andy Goodman here, the keeper, the host, the general dog's body for Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks and Grizzly Peaks Radio. And I have great pleasure today in introducing our latest actual play. It is a one-shot, which means in my in, in my universe that that's going to be four episodes. I, I don't really understand one-shots, um, to be honest. I don't know. I, I, I understand them. I understand the concept of a one-shot. I do not know how people can run a one-shot in one session. That That is beyond me. I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> it seems like a single combat can sometimes take a whole session. So hats off to those of you that manage to run one-shots in one session. Um, I suppose if you're going to play six hours, yes, I get it. I get it. I get it. But... We don't. We only play two hours, and um, and you know when we edit down. Sorry, my daughter's outside. And when we edit down, um, you know we get these episodes down to an hour, but it's about two hours of play, and, and two hours really means an hour and a half. So it's not surprising. But anyway, <laughs> that aside, uh, it gives me great pleasure in introducing um, the Disintegrator. Now, this is a fabulous scenario um, from the Pulp Cthulhu core book or, or rules book. Um, it is um, an amazing scenario. I, um, I've, it was pretty much the first pulp scenario I ran. Uh, if you've been listening to our masks of Nilathotep, yes, you know we played it pulp, and there are pulp rules for it. But it was never really conceived initially as a pulp scenario. Whereas the Disintegrator, through and through, in every aspect, um, it's it's an amazing um, it's an amazing adventure. It's short. It's sweet. It's got all the notes that you want to hit. I won't tell you anything about it because obviously I don't want to spoil it. But um, yeah, it's it's pulp, pulp, pulp all the way. Um, it was who was it? who wrote it? Oh God, I'm, I'm looking through the book now. Apologies for the amateurishness of this. I really should have looked. Um, it was written by by by. I believe it was written by um, <laughs> Je- uh, Alan Bly. It was written by Alan Bly, wasn't it? Yes. Um, who is a long-time writer for Call of Cthulhu. I think, sadly, he, he passed away um, not too long ago, but um, he's left behind a wonderful, wonderful adventure to run. And um, we're about to present it to you. Now, who, who are the players? Well, it's an all-star cast again. I think, yes, everybody in this game has a podcast, and I'll go through all the players. So, um, Jeff is uh, is the host of Tome of All Dooms, which I think is on hiatus at the moment. Liren is the host of Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. Joe, Joey, is, well, he was the uh, GM of um, Wheel or Woe, the Pathfinder 2 podcast, which has been on an extremely long hiatus, but hopefully, fingers crossed, now that we're through the pandemic, well, I'll say that through the worst of the pandemic, let's say, um, hopefully that will return. But he, he also has his own, um, I guess, uh, RPG, uh, RPG um, random RPG podcast like a lot of us called Hindsightless, which is great. Um, we also have uh, we also have Jules, Jules from NZ, um, uh, which is a fantastic podcast about all things New Zealand and all things gaming. 
And last but not least, by any means, is TJ, who currently doesn't have a podcast, but he has done many in the past. But what you'll know him from is is from um, some of my previous games. And and also, um, he is my longtime collaborator who produces a lot of the music for the show, as well as for many other Anchor podcasts. Um, and he helps me out massively in the editing and the sound design for Grizzly Peaks Radio. So they are all the most wonderful players, and I hope you have fun listening to us. The way I made you is I was thinking, as a boxer, you would be good at first aid because, you know, you, you, you've had to bandage yourself up a lot. And also, cut me, obviously, man, cut me. Yeah, and obviously you're good at jumping because uh, jumping and dodging, you're, you're really good at. Dodge, you're fantastic at. You've got 90% dodge <laughs> because you're a boxer. So, of course, you can get out of the way. Spot hidden, I gave you a decent score because I thought, well, you know, as a boxer, you're always looking for the angle and, like, the opening and all that. And obviously swimming and throwing, you'd be training out up in the, you know, quite famous like place where people go for holiday homes, um, particularly Jewish people. Uh, Woody Allen always used to make cat skills. Cat skills. That's it. That's ah, it. Thank cat you, man, from New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I can imagine you, you know, being out in the woods training as a boxer and <laughs> so. Uh, All right. I'm getting in character now. <laughs> yeah. OK. Anyways, I mean, obviously, I made these characters for most of you. So uh, I, but of course, you do, you do whatever you want with them. Yeah, I am super dexy for a big heavy set, dude. I'm dope, man. So I just kind of randomly generated these. Yeah, no, I'm into it. You got ridiculously good stats because it just happened to roll them. <laughs> I mean, you got way above average stats, but that's all right. It's a and yeah, you've got you can pilot a boat for some reason, and you can speak a bit of Swedish. I have no idea. <laughs> No idea why. Nice, man. I didn't see the Swedish thing. Awesome. Yeah, there it is right there. You're not going to need it, I don't think. But... Hey, man, you never know. Never say never. Yeah, and, and your assets include your typewriter and a tiger skin rug. So Yeah. All right, Lothario. Uh, well, I mean, he's an aging Lothario. Yeah, I'm, I'm Ernest Hemingway. That's the kind that would have a tiger skin rug, exactly. let's face it. It's probably because it's getting confused between my roll twenty and my Discord. Oh yeah, so yeah. just turn off the roll twenty because it will. Yeah, Buenos dias. Hey, buena notte, buena notte. <laughs> I speak a bit of Italian, so that's fun. Oh, you do? Yes. I don't know why I gave you Italian again. No reason. <laughs> that's not going to come in. Wait, it might actually, actually, in this scenario, it might come in handy. Maybe, maybe. For those of you that don't know your character, who here hasn't looked at their character sheet? Because I can probably tell you a few things that you might need to know. Jules, did you look beyond just a quick look? Or do you want to know anything about the character that I particularly put in there? I had a basic look. I didn't understand why all the different fighting brawls were on there, but I figured you'd tell me about that when we got there. Yeah. Well, you're actually not a brawler. You're a handgun. Mm, lady yeah. <laughs> you, you've got your 38 in i guess in your in your purse so you've just got the base level fighting brawl you're quite good at, at handgun but what you are particularly good at of course is all the social stuff being a dilettante dreamer so you're quite good you're good at reading people you've got a good psychology skill you're good at persuading I've got strong world and keen hearing. Yeah. Yes. So those are your pulp talents. We're playing pulp Cthulhu, so everyone gets these two special talents. So um, you got super high power, 
which means you're super sane, which is very good, very useful. And if you ever have to make a power roll, you get a bonus die. So you're basically like very strong-willed, very, very strong-willed. It's unlikely anyone will be able to overcome you in a, in a battle of wills. And you're also very good at listening. Uh, although you've only got 40%, you get a bonus dice when you do it. So that massively increases your chance. Can I ask a question about firearms? What is the difference between HG and RS? HG is handgun. RS is rifle shotgun. So in this case, uh, Jules with a 38 uses the handgun skill. Whereas Cliff with his elephant gun uses the rifle shotgun skill. <laughs> and he is a crack shot, <laughs> goddammit. Yeah, see? So is Cliff a hunter? Oh yeah. Well, he's he's Ernest Hemingway, basically. Good call. Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> Dainty has done his share of of hunting. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, but what? <laughs> what what's he been hunting? Oh no, just regular things that rich people hunt. Okay. okay. To fit in with the rich crowd. Not the pigeons, yeah. <laughs> not not the most dangerous game. I don't know. Is anyone Batman here? Because. So yeah, Dainty is. Um... Well, obviously you made him. Why don't you tell everyone about Dainty? Yeah. Dainty loves life and good food and good wine. And uh, Dainty is technically a cult leader. Technically. That's my occupation. But really, he's, he is a psychic to the stars. So he has his share of like followers an actress here or there and you know several rich folk that he has consulted he's kind of a guru to people because of his psychic abilities because he has an ability to read items he can touch an item and feel past emotions and things that have been associated with it and see its oh. history nice yeah that's a real power and then he has all kinds of powers that he Fake. claims to have as well <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Excellent. You're actually very good at psychometry, aren't you? You put 80 points into that. That's yes. massive. Yeah. Okay. Like he's, he's also very fat. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably likely that Dainty and Toots have come into contact with each other before then. Probably. Like, is Toots a actress? She's a dilettante. That's her occupation. <laughs> So just being rich? Just being rich, basically. <laughs> Although she's not, like, super rich. She's 50% credit rating, so she's not, like, ridiculously rich. She probably rich. used to be 60% before I became <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. You're one of his um, followers, maybe? Or, <laughs> or at least admirers. No, she's no? strong. She's strong. -willed. That's true. That's true. That's no, true. I, I find him entertaining. Yeah, like, I would say that she finds him entertaining. And she definitely invites Dainty to her, like, charity dinners for like you know to entertain the the other dilettantes they're both very strong-willed and very charismatic probably so they probably enjoy like getting at each other a little bit yeah mm. yeah it's that sort of relationship where we grab each other by the elbow and walk around like doing snide jabs but we're like we're like pretending to be friendly but actually <laughs> yeah 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 very <laughs> under under breath basically big smiles and just shit talking each other the whole time Oh, nice, yes. nice, nice. You put a, a lot into your personal background, uh, backstory. Of course, uh, it'd be great if that came out during the session, of course. Now, obviously, so we've done... Uh, Liren's character is called Lenny Bennard. So if any of you know your 1920s boxes, you'll see my terrible pun I made. You know, he's a pretty well-rounded guy for a, a meathead boxer. <laughs> but Not very pretty, but 
pretty well-rounded. Yeah, he's pretty well-rounded. I mean, he's not dumb. He's reasonably well-educated. He's got some interesting skills. He's very lucky. He's got 75% luck. That's uh, very high. Although I think someone else has even higher. I think Quincy. Quincy's got even more luck. He also has spent 10 luck to get an additional damage die for Happy Hitter. Yeah, you are a heavy hitter. So, I mean, you're basically like a one-man wrecking machine because if you hit someone with your billy club and you spend your 10 luck you would basically do 3d6 damage which is not that far off what a, a shotgun does yeah <laughs> seriously man so you can really you can really lay someone out with one punch i mean you can kill someone with one punch um, more or less so uh yeah very good okay now finally quincy fandango <laughs> what a name quincy so I see on the sheet that you put down the birthplaces, Sydney, Australia, and I will not be doing an Australian accent because that will be terrible and bad in so many different racist ways. Oh, but I really love it when people try and do Australian or New Zealand. Well, I love it so much. Especially Americans, especially Americans, because they always come out sounding like cockneys, don't they? <laughs> He's preparing for a role. I have no qualms about that kind of stuff. It just doesn't bother me. I, I know it's role play. I know it's fun, so... When people put on accents, it's for fun. It's not meant to be bad. Oh, I know. So, yeah, so Quincy. Quincy seems to be a failed and or fake actor from Australia. So I'm sure he's been in films that no one has heard of. And he will continue to make up different films that he has been in to suit the situation. Now, you know who he is, basically. Uh, yeah, he's Greta Garbo. He's the guy who played opposite Greta Garbo, right? And a bunch of different things. Uh, I, I don't know if he did, but essentially he's Errol Flynn. Right, right. I mean, he's basically Errol Flynn. I mean, that's who I based him on. <laughs> who was apparently a real dick. <laughs> but <laughs> but they all were, I suppose. Yeah, because Errol Flynn's Australian, which I didn't know until relatively recently. But of course, he was a very... He was a heartthrob. So... Um, I had no idea he was Australian. Yeah, wow. Errol Flynn was Australian. Um, he's there's a, He's got an interesting like story. He... He was involved in some pretty sketchy stuff before he became an actor. He was kind of verging on being a criminal, I think, at one point. But anyway, so uh, Quincy, you are particularly good at your charming, of course. You're good at acting. And of course, you have your sword cane. Nice, <laughs> nice, dude. Yeah. Um, but I also note that I am better at sword cane than I am at acting. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's why you're not doing it anymore. <laughs> oh, I am. I'm, I'm acting everywhere now. It's just the whole world is my stage. Again, you're you're pretty. You're very stealthy. You're good at dodging. You're you're essentially like a. You're good at fast talking. Seventy percent fast talk, sixty five percent charm. You're pretty much useless at everything else. So <laughs> you got no like practical skills that were apart from the sword play. But uh, you got bonus on your charm rolls. And oh, this is good. You got this rapid attack talent so if you spend 10 luck you can get two attacks in a round which is um very unusual for call of cthulhu in fact. Okay. No, especially no. if you're punching like a shotgun that's pretty awesome yeah oh no no quincy's not the tough one he's just um he's just agile oh that's right that's right my bad, yeah. my bad. okay all right so okay now one of you i can't actually think who it would be i think realistically the only person that would make sense well, it's either Cliff or Dainty. So one of you has to know a professor at Arkham uh, Miskatonic University. Who would that be? It wouldn't be Toots, Quincy, or Lenny for sure. Yeah, I mean, Cliff is a writer. So yeah, he's he, a writer. He might know a professor. Okay. 
He's got a decent library use skill, so he's obviously spent some time in the stacks. Yep, we have been introduced to all the characters. Now, um, I think we've decided that Cliff Snout Rigby is going to be the person that, that knows. Um, well, that my nickname is Snout, dude. I'm way into that. <laughs> I don't know why that's his name. It just is. I think it sort of came out more or less in the random generator, and I just tweaked a bit, a bit. But Yeah, no, I'm fully into it, man. <laughs> All right. I don't know what so, a New York accent sounds like. Anybody want to help me with that? I uh, well, TJ can do it. Can I? Yeah, of course. You can. <laughs> oh no, sorry, it's Nate, isn't it? <laughs> He's the one that has mm. got the. Nate does the New York accent. Yeah, no, it's all good. It depends on, on what borough of New York you're from. I would just do an accent yeah. and see what happens. <laughs> so I think for the purposes of uh, the starting point. You should probably be starting off in, in New York. Now, you are meant to all know each other, which seems a little bit of a stretch for some of you, but, but maybe not. I think there's definitely, I mean, Lenny and Cliff, I'm sure, you know, because Cliff being Ernest Hemingway just wants to hang out with boxers and that kind of thing, of course. I mean, Toots and Dainty, uh, and I think Quincy could also be part of that circle, but, but maybe ha how would everyone come together? Maybe there's some kind of... I think Cliff and Dainty might know each other from hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get the feeling they're all on the fringes of high society. Right. And so that's probably, there's a lot of same dinner parties in New York and stuff that they've been to. Oh, that's good. I think, and I think Lenny being a, um, maybe an ex um, middleweight champion, he's kind of like trading up a bit now and hanging out, going to the right clubs and. <laughs> you know, nightclubs and going to the right restaurants, and he's like, um, "Yeah, there's definitely a thing there. That's good. That's good." All right, so um, let's say you all you all do know each other. Um, you're in New York for whatever reason, and Cliff, you get a telegram from an old friend from Miskatonic University, uh, a Professor Finch. Finch. Now, okay. Yeah, Lionel Finch. I think he's a he's a science professor of some kind. I'm not sure what. And uh, I will hand you. The telegram. Actually, I'll, I'll read out the telegram so everyone can hear it. I mean, I can share it, but I'll, I'll read it out as well. So, this is from Professor Lionel Finch, Arkham, Massachusetts. Uh, and this was sent to you just today. Dear friend, stop. I wish to prevail upon you to present me in a most urgent and delicate matter. Stop. I am stuck chair-bound again and need help to be my eyes and ears. Stop. It may prove nothing more than a hoax, but if not, I fear for the future. Stop. Sorry for limited info. Stop. Matter confidential. I will speak more of this in person. Stop. Please come and see me. ASAP. I will pay all expenses and generous fee. Stop. Please reply by return message. Paid. Stop. And yeah, you received that today. Maybe uh, in your hotel, the hotel concierge brought the telegram up to you to your room. Yeah. Okay. And like, so we're all we're all together now in the same place. Yeah, I'm assuming you're all for some reason staying in this, or you're either in the hotel or you're there for dinner or lunch or something. So maybe you you go and uh, you see all your pals. I lean over to uh, Dainty and I say, certainly there is no hunting like the hunting of men, and those who have hunted armed men for long and liked it, they never enjoy anything else. That is an Ernest Hemingway quote, by the way. No, is it? I swear to God. <laughs> oh, all right, now stop that, Joey. That's an interesting way to start a conversation. I'm over here fanning myself. What are you about, Rigby? You seem like you might be uh, up for some adventure. I got a, an urgent message from a dear friend of mine, 
and I, I think something foul might be afoot, and I would like a I'd like a steady hand by my side. I generally don't have a steady hand. Well, maybe you know some people that do. You seem to know folks around here. Yeah, but what do, what good does it do me to go getting off on an adventure? You want me to hoist that on my friends? I absolutely do. I hear what you're saying, Digby. Sorry, Dainty. <laughs> you're right. I might be barking up the wrong tree. I might go talk to that strong-looking fellow over there. My friend is bound to a chair, and he might need someone to carry him around. Now, there's a steady hand. He's a boxer. I mean, maybe a little punchy, but give it a shot. Oh, maybe, do you know him? Maybe you could introduce me. Certainly follow me. First, help me up. This couch. Yeah, and I... Supple. <laughs> it is. I was there. I got stuck there myself earlier, and I reach out a big, meaty hand. My size is 80, so... <laughs> oh, you're bigger. Mine's 70. <laughs> we got some really big, big, big you lads. some big this. boys. Mine is 85. Yeah. Holy shit! <laughs> Isn't going to have a size contest? You should start. Fuck this adventure. Let's go start a basketball team. We are a bunch of men, aren't we? Jesus. What are your strengths? I think mine's 70. Mine's wow. 95. Holy oh, shit. Yeah. So mine's 45. So my 80 size is all fat. It's all fat. <laughs> yeah, you would go down like a bag of spanners. You know, you would just, yeah, you, you'd go down very heavily, dainty, for... Yeah, you're you're kind of all milling around, I guess, in the um, maybe in the at the bar before dinner. See, I'll I will march him on over to Lenny. Lenny, you old so and so. Hey, Quincy. I meant to say sorry. <laughs> What's up, Dainty? Sorry. I'll get everyone's names right at some point. Yeah, it's gonna take a minute. Yeah. I would, would like you to meet the illustrious Cliff Snout Rigby author. Extraordinary. Ooh. I stick out a big hand. It's snout to my friends. Call me snout, Lenny. No one called that. I give him a strong handshake. So, author, what do you write? I'm, I'm working on the great American novel. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Called oh. the Opal. Huh. Nice to meet you. Yeah. I, I write about boats, too. I write about all kinds of things. Oh, got <laughs> it. Yeah. Huh. Uh, anyway, sorry, sorry, enough about me. But this is an odd, odd request, I know, and I, I'd be happy to pay for your services, but you look like a hardy fella, and I have a friend in need. I need a couple people to go check out my friend. He's a professor over at Arkham University, and every now and then he gets himself mixed up into some crazy shenanigans, and I promise you it'll be exciting, if nothing else. Oh, really? Uh, well, I, I could do with a little all-expenses-paid excitement. Yeah. As soon as the words all expenses paid pass the lips <laughs> of Lenny, Quincy is immediately attentive. Oh, really? Um, this is something afoot. Is it a nice place? Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he makes that sweet, sweet professor money. <laughs> Tenure. He's got a really nice place. It'll be all expensive paid trip to Arkham. And everybody loves New England. Oh, well, count me in, good fan. Count me in. Oh, excellent, excellent. I'm Quincy, by the way. Quincy, I am Cliff, but my friends call me Snout. Ah, oh, Snout, you you may have heard of me. The movies? I'm I'm a, quite a famous actor. Oh, what have you been in? The Blood Moon, perhaps? Mm. You've seen that one? It was no. all the rage in Sydney. Oh, no, I haven't made it over to Sydney for quite a time. 
Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure she'll come up with something, something. So snout, is it? That's an, that's an odd moniker. I like to eat. And I pat my <laughs> belly. It, it shows. Good man, good man. I like to eat too. Especially if it's other people's food. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I sort of feel like we need a couple more people. Well, there's a very glamorous lady just sitting on the end of the bar drinking a uh, Manhattan. You had me at bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in fact, you recognize her dainty. It's um, someone that mixes in your circles. Uh, Toots is how what you know her by. Maybe we should come up with the rest of the name, but Toots for now. <laughs> Toots. Toots is so, it's good enough for now. Oh, I see something that needs attending to. I think my work here is done. Your little group can go off and play your little adventures. Strong drink oh, calls. Well, absolutely. Thanks for your help. Okay. A lovely lady sitting alone at a bar. I don't think she's going to be alone for long. Right. Well, I can certainly move faster than uh, Dainty. Um, <laughs> just slide on over there. And Dainty will head straight towards Toots, but she he's mainly just looking to enjoy watching whatever's going to happen next. Of course. Right. So uh, I will definitely slide in between Dainty and Toots and uh, go, Good evening, madam. <laughs> I'm like real nervous about trying this. <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's hear it. It's gonna be really bad. I can't do actions. Joey, that was this. Why, hi. Mm. I see that you're not from around here by that <laughs> lovely accent. <laughs> well, could I could I buy you a drink? Yes. Bartender, bartender. Two of whatever the lady is having and put it on my tab. Well, that's whiskey. Ah. The bartender goes and, and gets one of the expensive bottles off the shelf. Ah, a woman of good taste. She was having two triples. <laughs> <laughs> so look at your credit rating, Quincy, just to give you a little uh, idea of your motivation. You're pretty much on the skids. <laughs> oh, I, I, I completely understand that. I, I expected yeah. the bartender to say I didn't have a tab, but I'm just rolling with it. Absolutely. Of, of course, of course. <laughs> I'm professionally couch surfing through the entirety of society at this yes. point. I love it. Dainty saw the bartender kind of give a look like, what tab? And Dainty just kind of waved him on, like, I got this, because Dainty wants to watch. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, so the bartender pulls down the um, the 30-year-old scotch and starts making up a, a, couple, of, um, a couple of Manhattans. Mm. So what, uh, what brings you uh, to this part of town? My, you know, lovely lady. Well, there's nothing doing, so what brings you here? Oh, things that need doing, obviously. Oh, yes? And you think I need doing? I would not presume to say whether She's or not... She's just sitting there, like, with her, like, you know, finger on her chin, like, eyebrows raised, with a smile on her face, though, but, you know, how are you going to get out of this one? But I, I understand there's a band, a swing band, coming in later, perhaps... You would uh, honor me with the privilege of a dance. Well, I can dance. We'll see if you can. Oh, I can dance. It's one of the things I'm good at. Not good at dancing at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd say acting and dancing are pretty much interchangeable in your in your case. So yeah, you're, you're, you can you act can move. like you can dance. You can act like you can dance. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, I was I was in a musical. Uh, perhaps you've heard of it. That would be a good musical. Famous all across Perth was something that sounds like Oklahoma, but for Australia. 
So yeah. whatever that, whatever North, the North, Northwest Territory. <laughs> Northwest Territories. Wonderful, wonderful production. Three curtain calls. Three on the first on the opening night. Instead of cows, it had kangaroos. <laughs> I heard they weren't doing that one any longer. Well, of course not, because I left. I left the production. They couldn't do it without me. Well, without me and the kangaroo, obviously. But the kangaroo was, you know, it's a bit of a ham, I have to say. I never saw it. Oh, well, perhaps later. Perhaps later on the dance floor, you can get a little taste. A little one. Well, I can't do the entirety of it here in the hotel, but certainly a dance floor. Not the really appropriate one. Uh, there was a very famous musical from 1933 called Gold Diggers of 1933. I think that, <laughs> that would be the musical for you, Quincy. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing that later. That'll be awesome. Oh. And he so, will he will take his Manhattan and take a sip on it. Mm. So Cliff, you've received um funds that he's wired you some funds to, to buy the first class train tickets up to Arkham the next morning and has has asked you of course to bring whoever you felt would be, you know, useful on this. Oh yeah, I Lionel gets himself into some shit, so uh Cliff is like fully prepared for some nonsense to happen. Okay. But yeah, so if you guys are willing to go, Cliff is willing to buy tickets. First class. Well, if Cliff is willing to buy tickets, Quincy is willing to go. It's first class all the way, boys. Ah, you speak my language, good sir. And of course, it is October, so the full colors will be beautiful this time of year. Nice, nice. <laughs> what sort of town is this? Arkham? Oh, it's a it's a quaint little town. It's in New England. It's kind of off the beaten path, but there's there's a college there. It's a fairly prestigious university. Nothing untoward ever happens there. It's a lovely little town. Mm. I totally believe it's that. Incredibly dull, <laughs> and I'm not sure that there's going to be anyone there worth befriending. Oh, I mean, what kind of stuff are you into, Dave? I know you from hunting. That that's all I really know about you, my friend. What kind of things are you into? I mean, some fine food and drink is quite all right. But uh, the rich and famous are always willing to um, help one partake things. And I don't know if Arkham is the sort of town that has the capacity. Not so much on the restaurant, sadly. Yes, I mean, the pork chop is the de rigueur dish of the day up in Arkham. The lobster rolls are really good. <laughs> That's true. Maine, though. Close enough. <laughs> Toots, you're willing to go along with this? I nearly went to be like, oh, I... That's me, Jules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Jules nearly went to be like, oh, I... Yeah, last. But then I was like, Wait, I'm playing a game and I've got an accent. <laughs> Fuck, what is it again? <laughs> I don't know who I am. But yeah. She'll come. She's bored. She's got nothing better to do. Uh, well, I'll go and look after her. Okay, so the next day, it, it's actually October. It's, it's it's towards the end of October. So, you know, there's a bit of a, a chill in the air starting, you know. Uh, New York, of course, doesn't get really get cold until, really until January, really, December, January. But um, you know that heading up a bit further north, you're going to be, you be getting a, a bit of that chilly late October weather. Okay, so... You head up on the train. Uh, you are, of course, in the first class compartment. It's uh, very uh, comfortable, 
they serve drinks about halfway up. It's, I would say it's probably a six hour train ride um, up to Massachusetts, up to Arkham, from uh, Grand Central, I suppose. You left from Grand Central that morning. And you arrive at the hallowed halls of the Miskatonic University. It's a grand place. Uh, there's an air of prestige and, and tradition and history about the place. I'm not sure what they're burning in the fireplaces, but boy, that makes that's making a lot of smoke as well. Not sure what that's all about. And the campus is is quiet. It's the middle of the day, so classes are in session, or most of the students are, are in their classes. But you know that Professor Finch will be meeting you um, um, as soon as you arrive. He's he's anxiously awaiting your arrival. So yeah, you rock up to the front of Miskatonic University, and unless you want to go and take a class or do something else uh <laughs> i'll assume you're gonna go and speak to professor finch i need to go see my chair-bound friend yeah so you go up to his office and his name is on the plaque on the door the door is slightly open and uh, as you approach he uh a voice calls out from inside and he says snout is that you old chap oh it is it is Lionel. <laughs> oh. It's been a long time, Finch. Oh, it has, it has. Please come in. I, I'm sorry I can't get up, but you know the old legs. I fully understand. I brought some friends with me. Here we come. Wonderful, wonderful. I hope they're young and fit. Yes. Well, one of us <laughs> is anyway. And Tut walks in with a, like, you know, head swish. Okay, so you, you go into his office and you see, indeed, the rather elderly and frail Professor Lionel Finch. He's he must be in his in his seventies, maybe sort of mid to late seventies, and he is sitting in a wheelchair with a tartan blanket over his legs, a dark blue velvet smoking jacket buttoned up tight over an outdoor scarf, and he bit, and and he is clutching an unlit pipe in his woolen gloved hands. As you come in, he says, "Oh, this bloody weather! It always gets to me. The cold gets right through to my bones." Anyway, come in, come in and sit down. I, as I said, I'm sorry I can't get up. If you wish, there's a pot of coffee on the counter there. If you if you want to pour yourself a, a drink or maybe something. You got bit... anything a bit stronger? Oh, <laughs> I got one specially in because I knew you were coming. Excellent, excellent. He hands you a bottle of whiskey and he says, would anyone else like some? I have another bottle here somewhere for the rest of you. Free alcohol is, is <laughs> always uh, appreciated, good sir. Oh yeah, give me a pour. Good, good. And he, with a satisfying plopping noise the, the 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 cork comes off the whiskey he pours out a few and he says oh snout oh it's been too long how long's it been and snout's got he's just necking the bottle right now <laughs> yeah. uh, and he, he, he stops and like wipes his mouth off this is the good stuff this is the good stuff Finch. i don't know it's been what 10 years 10 years must be if it's a day oh i've missed your big beaming bushy bearded face snout tell you what people around here they're not they're not really uh, the adventurous type i always love hearing your tales well you know finch the world breaks everybody but sometimes certain people are stronger at the breaking points yes yes a philosopher as well as a roustabout that's what i always liked about you i did look up a bunch of hemingway quotes <laughs> Oh man, now so. I'm feeling underprepared. <laughs> now, who is this meaty fellow here? He says, looking at Lenny. Lenny puts his hand out immediately. Oh, what a grip! Lenny, oh, better. Oh, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> so Lenny does, has a strong but not overly strong handshake because he is very conscious of his own strength. 
Yes, he says, oh, you look like you could uh, stand up to a bit of punishment. I've gone around or two in my day. Oh, yes. The sport of kings. Yes, exactly. That's not boxing, is it? That's racing. No, <laughs> Lenny thinks it is. Lenny Boxing's thinks it is. Boxing's sweet science. <laughs> That's boxing. Uh, yes, I'm yes. Certain we're witnessing some sort of foreplay. Yeah. <laughs> now, who is this remarkable looking chap? He says, looking at Dainty. This is my good pal, Dainty. Ah, another academic, writer, a philosopher. What are you, my good man? I am a conjurer. Oh, children's parties? No, I hear voices from beyond, and I act upon those voices. I also have the touch. Okay. On a simple item, I can read thoughts. Well, each to their own, each to their own. I can't say I, I believe in that kind of thing. I'm a man of science, you see. Oh, give me a chance to prove myself. Well, maybe so, maybe so, but uh, we have some urgent business I need to tell you about. We actually do have very urgent business. Uh, you just inferred, my friend, that I am not 100% truthful about my abilities and capabilities. <laughs> no, 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 sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to imply anything. Uh, it's just, uh, it's all about um, perspective, isn't it? I'm a man, a rather prosaic man believes in the physical world. These matters are beyond my experience. Oh, but it's all about the physical world, sir. All about the physical world. I guess he didn't mean it. Quite so, quite so. Now, please, please, I hope you didn't take any offense at that. Oh, not at all, not at all. Let's just move on to the part where you accept what I said. <laughs> As fact, that way I don't have to give you a demonstration and we can move forward. I tell you what, sir, you're, you're a lively fellow, aren't you? I'll tell you what, sir, I'll accept what you say if you accept what I'm about to say. How about that? I'm not sure you're in any position to bargain. <laughs> oh, well, I say, Snout, you do run around with some rather colourful fellows. I know the kind of stuff you get up to, Finchy boy, and I felt like Dainty would be a perfect fit for this little caper you got going on. Whatever it is, what what are we doing here? Well, but I'll tell you, mate, but I simply can't take my eyes off this rather handsome fellow here. You look very familiar, sir. Where would I have seen you before? Quincy Fandango, thespian <laughs> at your service. <laughs> ah, that's it, that's it. I knew I'd seen you with a rose in your teeth and a cutlass in your hand. Ah, Fan! Wonderful! Was that uh, Blood on the Bounty you saw me in? That, something Perhaps. like that. Yes, yes. Or the Pirate King? I, a wonderful take in that, although not the leading role, mind you. Not the leading role. No, but, uh, ah, but you inhabited that role as if it were, you were born to it, Mr. Fandango. Ah, but I was. <laughs> and who is this? This lovely young lady here. Why are you hanging around with such rough types, miss? What are you doing? My name's Toots. Toots? Oh, how charming. How charming. Are you along for the for the ride? Are you amusing yourself with uh, hanging around with some uh, rougher side of society? Oh, no, they warned me there was going to be some danger, so I joined <laughs> along. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, listen, enough chit-chat. I could do this all day. You know me. <laughs> I, I do, Finchie, I do. <laughs> Shall we get on with the business at hand? That's what we're here for. So, now, I know that you, Cliff, you have a bit of a, an eye for a charlatan, yes? 
Indeed, indeed. <laughs> well, this little job I need you to do for me, it is a bit of a sniffing out job. You see, there's this chap that I have become aware of by the name of George Pelfrey. Yeah, hitherto unknown inventor, no one had heard of him. Just popped up on the scene out of nowhere. And he claims, he claims to have accidentally constructed a device which will project a radiant beam of force capable of disintegrating matter with seemingly unlimited potential. If this is true, it might not simply revolutionize warfare, but I fear it has the potential to upset the fragile balance of peace following the Great War, perhaps plunging us into an almost inconceivable Second Great War. I know it's impossible. No, of course it would never happen, but with with a device like this, all things could be possible. Could you imagine a device capable of disintegrating anything? No armor could withstand it. No barricades. No shelter. Man would be as dust in the air. He waits for a second for that to sink in. <laughs> Goddamn, Finty. Uh, how'd you come across this information? Well, you see... A dossier had been put in the hands of a former student of mine. Now, I have to keep his name confidential, I hope you understand, but nevertheless, this student acquired documentation about this device. Uh, He was working for a large and powerful, a large and famous power company, and they thought this was just nonsense, but he he secreted away the, uh, the letter of introduction. He brought it to me. Now, listen, this gets more interesting. Pelfrey the inventor he appears to be in very ill health and he has also admitted that he does not fully understand and cannot pursue to the full extent the continued work on this prototype it seems like he just stumbled upon it and does not truly understand how this device works so in order to meet his current medical expenses apparently he's on the way out and it seems very likely he would die within the year in order to meet his medical expenses and and provide for his family, he enlisted the services of a lawyer to manage a quick sale through a blind auction. Okay, okay. It's to be held tomorrow at a private hotel along the coast near Kingsport. A lovely place, lovely place. Um, The White Point, wonderful. Maybe it's a bit chilly this time of year, but I'm sure it'll be a beautiful trip. Anyway, Wade, the lawyer, his name's Daniel Wade, Um, Don't know anything about him, but he approached a number of buyers, most of whom actually laughed this off as a complete nonsense, an utter hoax. But the the sales brochure that that I received from from this ex-student, there are lots of photos in there showing the device in action, including before, during and after. And in this one demonstration, it disintegrates an entire oak tree, an entire oak tree. Oh, my God. Yes, can you imagine? Poor tree. Anyway, I had these pictures examined, and my experts at the photography department of Miskatonic, they they say there's no evidence that these were faked. They may have been, but it would have to have been such a good fake that they would not have been able to distinguish it. Anyway, problem is, I did a bit of digging, and it seems like um, at least one major arms company, I believe they're called Ursus Foundries, they are sending a representative to the auction. Now, on Pelfrey, I have not been able to find anything. It seems like he just popped up out of nowhere. 
but um, his family have recently moved out of their home and have been living in a series of hotels in Providence. Uh, apparently, it gives him better access to the medical treatments that, that he so sorely needs. But yes, and what I want from you, my dear friend, and my new friends, is to represent me at this auction. It is highly possible that this is complete, a complete forgery, a fake, a scam of some kind. And for everyone's sake, I hope it is. But if it isn't, we must acquire this device. Keep it out of the hands of any who might use it for, oh, for dark ends. But if we can't, and I'm sure I, I've collected a, a very reasonable sum, but if we cannot win this auction, then at the very least, we must try to keep it out of the hands of any that we deem to be dangerous. And failing that, at the very least, we must track where this thing is being taken and what is being done with it. Well, I, I trust you explicitly and implicitly. I know you would never do me wrong. Every word you are saying is true. So you tell me where to go, you give me the money, we'll, we'll get this thing taken care of. Yes, money, money. Definitely we need lots of money for this auction. <laughs> of course, of course. I'll provide a banker's draft for $6,000. It's all I could gather up. It is a lot of money, but yes. Well, that is my stake. Now, it will be a blind auction. Do you, 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 you understand how a blind auction works, Cliff? Mm, yes, but you should explain it to my friends. Yes, of course, of course. So the way a blind auction works is everyone submits their bid. It's not done like a typical auction where bidders are playing against each other. Everyone submits their bid. The highest bid wins. Now, it's usually done in two rounds, giving everyone a chance to outbid the initial bid. Now, of course, the reason it's done it's very clever, really. It's a way of maximizing the, the bids, because of course, if you don't know what everyone else's bid and you want to make sure you're gonna win, you may well put in far more than you need to. And of course, this is the way these things are done. Now, as I said, I will be providing you with a $6,000 banker's draft. I will be providing you a letter of introduction. The thing is, we, we are, we're sort of gate crashing. I have not been formally invited. So you will need to use all of your, all of your charm and personal warmth to get admitted. It is a bit of a private affair, you see. We never needed an invite to get anywhere. No problem. If you can't tell, we're all quite charming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, you are, aren't you? You are. Now, I saw that Joe rolled a psychology roll. I guess that was to see whether he was telling the truth or not. Is that right? And I failed. And that's why I was saying I believe him explicitly and implicitly. <laughs> <laughs> you failed magnificently. I believe every word he's saying. Yeah. yeah. Now, everyone else can also make a psychology roll, actually. I saw that before. There it is. I got, I got it. a 60%. Which one do you now? roll? You roll the green. It doesn't really matter, but but if you roll the green, it'll green. do okay. a single. The purple one gives you... Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. oh that's a fumble. Like, that's not good. <laughs> roll the, your very first roll, and it's a fumble. <laughs> okay, so, um, Toots, you're going to have to do something um, a little bit, um, I don't know, like... I think you're going to have to either insult him in some way or, or cause some kind of mayhem with that fumble after he tells you all this. So he's an old dude with like a blanket on him and stuff. Yeah, in a right? wheelchair. In a wheelchair. Cool. So I think I think trying to be charming, like to try and prove her charmingness, she like leaps onto his lap, like wraps her arms around him and is like, oh, honey, I've got this. But like just like crushes the shit out of him. And it's oh, like yeah. not... And he screams out in pain. He says, oh, get, off, oh, get off me, get off me, my legs, my legs. Toots, Toots, get off of him. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> that usually works. 
Lay off him, Arbuckle. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, oh, my knee! My knee! Oh dear, oh dear. Oh no, I know you didn't mean that, my dear, but oh, please be more careful in the future. Oh, I'm a very, I'm a very frail old man. And it's so cold in here as well. Oh gosh. You see that all this time he's actually been wearing gloves. <laughs> Is it that cold in here? It's not that cold, but, you know, he's an old man. Okay, okay, okay. I just was wondering if that was anything weird. No, I mean, yeah, I can tell. However, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, it's always good to be suspicious of anyone doing anything out of the ordinary, of course. But Dainty, with that hard roll, you realise the professor isn't exactly telling you everything. Dainty. Well, Dainty's been looking around for some small, well-worn object to pick up. Have I been able to find <laughs> anything? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, make a luck roll. Where is that, exactly? It's underneath your hit points. Left-hand side. Wow. <laughs> Extreme. I found the right item. Yes, you did. Go okay, on, you find this green soapstone sculpture. It looks like um, some kind of tribal artifact. Is it something I can pick up, or is it large? No, it's small. It's like um, maybe four or five inches high. It's just kind of sitting on, on a shelf behind next to you. Alright, I'm just gonna pick it up and start handling it absent-mindedly. Mm. Acting absent-mindedly, but I want to know what... I want to try to read it. Okay, so looking at it, it's kind of like a bit like a merman. Although not exactly. Because it's got the, the bottom half is a, is a fish, for sure. But the top half is kind of weird because it's very stylized and... The, the figure has this kind of almost squared off beard and a, and a little hat on, like a little, almost like a fez or something. So now what happens when you do your thing? Like physically, what does it look like when you do your reading thing? I mean, I think I can just hold it in my hands. Like usually if I'm doing it in front of a group, I like make a big deal and close my eyes and speak in tongues and all kinds of other things. But really I just need to, to handle it for a minute. Okay. All right. So you don't like your eyes don't roll back in your head or anything like that. They don't have to. They don't have to. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So like a sponge sucking up water, the psyche is able to absorb impressions and emotions from a physical object. The reading is to determine what the object's owner is or was like, their overriding personality and perhaps further information. Uh, you need to spend one D10 minutes concentrating. Okay, strong emotions come first. Oh, did someone? Jeff bombed out. Okay. All right, so roll a d10. Oh. Oh. Darren bombed out too. Yeah. Okay. Well, the good news is it only takes you a minute, because otherwise you'd have had to have been sitting there, like, making your excuses. But, yeah. So, yeah, so you sit there for a minute fondling this green soapstone. <laughs> what do you want to know about it? I want to know about its owner... Okay. I want to know what his... Try, I doesn't say I can really get his intentions, maybe, but um, his mood and mindset, and specifically any personal tragedies that may be associated with this, because I just enjoy that part. <laughs> You're like an emotion vampire, basically. Yeah, my whole house is like decorated with <laughs> random spoons and stuff that someone cried on. <laughs> Right, so you're kind of just gently rubbing this thing, and the first thing that comes to you... Oh, I have to make a roll. Oh, yeah, for the amount of magic points, yeah. And when, and to see if I'm successful. Oh, oh yeah, that was your luck roll. Yes, yes, of course, sorry. Oh, really? 
one d what was it one d six plus something so that's my magic points i lost okay so you'll lose five magic points okay and then make... and then here's the roll yeah wow what the <laughs> just use all my rolls right there yeah all your rolls on stuff that's really not going to help at all but anyway uh, it's all useful it can all be useful so you get this incredibly strong sense impression of cold and wet coldness and wetness and darkness and then for a minute your mind is panicking because you realize that you're deep deep underwater and you know the first instinct is you're you're going to drown and then you realize that it's fine because you can breathe water and then you're swimming and you're swimming up through the layers of cold salty water the different types of fish and creatures that live at the different depths they change as the darkness starts imperceptibly changing to blue to dark deep blue and then to light blue and then and then you're out and up on the surface of the sea and the sun is beating down on you and a little way off is a pretty little seaside town where your next meal is going to be found i'm not sharing any of that information with anybody else <laughs> no. i mean when it becomes pertinent i will Right now, it's just entertaining. You realize this isn't this isn't Professor Finch. This is the original owner of this thing. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay. Uh, how much does he want for it? <laughs> oh, okay. So um, Professor Finch looks over and he says, "Mr. Dainty, uh, uh, be careful with that thing. It's 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 very precious to me, at least." How precious, Ling? Fifteen dollars. Oh, I, 20. I, I don't think I really want to sell it. I, it's probably not worth very much at all, but it's a personal import to me. 30 and a nice bottle of red wine. Oh, I, I suppose so. I mean, um, you do seem to be drawn to it. Yes, there's an interesting background to that thing. Yes, yes. I suppose it won't hurt. You seem to be rather fond of it already. Okay, $30 and a bottle of wine. You can send the bottle of wine. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's just say we'll just even out the tab for the journey. That'll be your payment. What tab, Finchie? I thought this was on you. Well, exactly. So I, uh, rather than paying for Dainty's first-class tickets to Kingsport, uh, he, will, he will take that uh, little knick-knack with him. Enlighten me. What is a first-class ticket? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> generally cost in 1933. I have no idea. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm getting a deal or not. I, I'm guessing less than $30. You probably. I don't know. What's the Tholo version of an insight check? <laughs> it would be a praise. A praise, actually, unfortunately, which no one ever puts any points into. Let's say he's... Well, you know, you're getting a good deal then. I mean, he said all expenses paid, so like that would that would include our our meals and such as well. Yeah, I mean the hotel probably doesn't cost more than five dollars a night back then. I imagine maybe ten. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I've got the money. I'll just take it. I want the thingy. I want this little thingy. Yeah, but you, you realize with that psychology check that something about Finch's manner and maybe his past experience. He does actually believe that this thing is real. He's probably seen stuff that might lead him to believe that something as impossible as this could exist. That's that's what you kind of picked up. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Well, my car costs like almost four thousand dollars in nineteen thirty-one. <laughs> it's as much as a house. 
<laughs> it is an electric car. Yeah, so $30 is a lot back then, I guess. I mean, a pair of shoes is probably equivalent to about $600. $30 is probably about the equivalent of $600, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah, hang on. Or maybe 300 Maybe it's 10 times. Let's, let's say it's 10 times. I mean, the house is the problem. Because, hey, of course... Dainty, let's just get on with it. <laughs> what, uh, Finchy, Finch, what are we supposed to do if we get this thing? Oh, well, well, of course, you're, you're, you're to bring it back to me. Okay, what are we supposed to do if we don't get this thing? Are we supposed to get it anyway? Now, Cliff, I know you're a, a man who likes to punch first and ask questions later, but um, I would imagine that the people going to this thing are quite serious people, if you see what I mean. I wouldn't recommend anything too physical, let's say. Do we know what it looks like? Can we do a substitution? Now that is a very sneaky idea. Uh, sadly, I don't have any photographs of the actual device. That was all kept very hush-hush. They just photographed the objects that were being disintegrated, if only. Well, maybe once we get to this place, someone can sneak around and try and get a look at this thing, maybe. Absolutely. But the problem will be is that it'll be the day of the auction. The, the device won't be there until that day, so... Yeah, fair, fair, fair. But look, as I said, there could be some questionable characters at this auction at the very the very best of course would be for us to get it the second best would be keeping it out of the hands of any undesirable organizations do you have anyone in mind well i would say ursus foundries are probably the ones to keep your eye on they are a rather opaque arms manufacturer opaque uh, like see-through uh, no, the, quite the opposite. <laughs> no, no, their, their motives are, well, beyond, of course, making a huge profit and selling arms to whoever, whoever they wish in the world. Let's say they do not make any public statements about their business or, you know, who they are working with. So I would be a little bit suspicious of them. And, and who knows? Who knows who else is there? They're the only ones that I have uh, a direct confirmation. So. Okay, well, we'll make sure they don't get it. Uh, if you can, and, and if you do, then at the very least, we need to know where, who has got it and, and what their intentions are. So, have I given you all the information that you think is would be useful? I, I can't think of anything else. We just need that uh, $6,000 bank draft. <laughs> <laughs> and another round of drinks to celebrate our new partnership. Yes, yes, yes. Wow, very good, very good. And he opens his, his drawer pulls out two envelopes and he says, this is the letter of introduction. This is the banker's draft. Cliff, I'm entrusting them both to you. I know you'll, you won't let me down. And he hands them to you. And right as he hands them over, like she goes for the letter of introduction is like, I'll take that. And Cliff's like, that makes sense. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, of course. Very good, very good. Yes, yes. I have an afternoon class now, so um, let's uh, drain these and I'll, uh, I better get moving. Yeah, Cliff has finished his bottle of whiskey. He's drank the whole thing. I will spend five luck points to negate that from having any sort of effect on me. Boom. Dead sober after a whole bottle of whiskey. Cliff is feeling good. There are rules for inebriation, which is quite funny, but... Um... Well, I'm going to ignore them. I'm just going to spend that luck, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How many days until the auction? Well, the, the auction actually is... Uh... Is in a is in let's say it's two days time. So you've got a couple of days to prepare. If there's anything you want to do, if there's any research you want to do, if there's any digging around, you can do that. Otherwise, we can just fast forward to the to you arriving at Kingsport. I'm just gonna call New York and have my valet bring the car to Kingsport and drive up my body man as well. 
<laughs> What's his name? Pip Esther Hazy. <laughs> My man's with me at all time. He carries like six different trunks because I have to have, you know, a trunk for each of my like outfits and stuff yeah of course one thing i didn't tell you he's also paying your retainer of 500 dollars each good he should be oh yes he is <laughs> <laughs> yeah as well as all the expenses so that's the finchy i know well that university money must be pretty good i guess <laughs> those teachers make a ton of money and they always will <laughs> time you say toots now She's, like, practicing speaking differently because she realizes that having a heavy New York accent is, A, hard, and, B, like, probably not going to get her anywhere here. So she's, like, trying to practice being posher and fancier. Yeah. Right. Very good. Very good. I mean, yeah, Massachusetts is... Uh, where is Kingsport meant to be? It's not in Massachusetts. It's not meant to be. It's, it's not a real place, is it? Is it Providence? I don't know. Where's it meant to be? Does anyone know? Providence is a real place. No, I know Providence is, but... Yeah, that's Rhode Island. I always figured Kingsport was, like, on the Cape with, uh, you know, north of Boston or somewhere on the... on. It's on the ocean, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Because obviously it's made it's, up, but... Um, yeah, just... she's listening to... Um, I don't know if this is right, but, like, Marilyn Monroe, and she's like, Happy birthday! Mr. President. Everywhere she's going, like, trying to get, like, that real breathy That's good. I mean, Mar Marilyn wasn't wasn't actually born yet, I don't think. <laughs> but, yeah, there was... Something something like that. <laughs> yeah, I think you'd be more like Marlena Dietrich, actually. Oh, yeah. God, she's cool. Yeah. You, so, um, no one guessed, but the, the picture on your bio is Clara Bow, who was... Oh, a, a... I thought it might have been Clara Bow, but I wasn't up with my, you know, my people. Yeah, no, she's actually a really quite an interesting person. Uh -huh. Uh, she's though. feisty yeah, yeah she's super feisty she she, yeah. she was quite scandalous in her time apparently well uh, she was a feminist yeah i think she also got into all kinds of trouble as they all did um yes back then okay so does anyone want to do any digging around in the library i mean maybe try and find some more information out or are you happy just to head down there and see what happens cliff will take a gander through the stacks dude okay if we got some time nope <laughs> no he won't no he no won't. he won't no he won't the librarian doesn't let him in because he just reeks like booze he's not yeah. drunk but it's coming out of his pores well you can push rolls you know if you yeah yeah i if, could if you want to you could push no. that roll I'm you know good. spend spend a bit of extra time there maybe you fall asleep underneath <laughs> <laughs> and get arrested for vagrancy or loitering. right right yeah no <laughs> rolling bad tonight I'll, I'll not push this one Excellent, excellent. <laughs> what is the speed at which magic points are regained? Uh, one point per hour. So oh, it's, wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, they come back super quick. All right. So anyone else want to do any research? Or, are you, or should we just fast forward to, to two days later with you arriving? Maybe you'll go and up. He's in, not a research kind of guy. No, no. He researches with his fists. Yes, he does. I was going to say, like, Toots is probably just, like, flicking through her Rolodex, essentially, trying to see who else she might know there. Okay, you know what? Is there like a contacts roll or something? Is contacts a thing? No, but you can... So, Toots, you can make um, either a credit rating or a luck roll. I guess in your your credit rating is better than your luck, so... Yeah. yeah. Make, make a credit rating roll. Okay. Ah, so I'm rolling ah. pretty well for D&D. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're rolling absolutely terribly for, <laughs> for uh, Call of uh, Yeah, a fumble yeah. and a 94. I mean, my God, that is really... Two amazingly bad first rolls. We're not no. playing D and D computer. Are you listening to me? Yeah. 
sort your shit out. You, you check through your, your contacts and no one is heading up to Kingsport for the end of season. In fact, the reason is it's almost off season now. It's too cold for people to be going for, to seaside hotels. But of course, that means you'll have choice of the best rooms and it'll be quite beautiful up there. So, two days later, I guess you're both going down in two cars, yes? Oh, yeah. There's no way I'm traveling in somebody else's. Yeah. Like, unless it's, like, first-class train ticket or something like that, you know? But, like, no, 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 I'll take my car, thank you. Yeah, so your blue train, your Bentley blue train is brought up, and Dainty's Chrysler... What was it? A Chrysler... Imperial, I think? Imperial. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> What's really interesting is Toots' driver brings it around and then she ushers him out and she sits down in the driver's seat and he's like, oh no, not again. <laughs> Toots, you're you're in the wrong seat there, Toots. Mm-hmm. You Anyone that wants and... to live can come drive ride with me. I actually have a trained driver, not a woman. <laughs> yeah, ex- excellent, excellent. I'll go with you, Dainty. So Toots, your, your driver says, will modern be driving again? <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> I will slide in, into the passenger seat besides Toots, and this seems like great fun. <laughs> and she's like, oh, rest taker, are we? Sit your cute ass down next to me. All right, here we go. We're going to get ready for some Mr. Toad's wild ride shenanigans, <laughs> I think. Oh, right. wow. This got hot quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... You get there without incident, okay? I mean, yeah. So you pull up on, I guess it's like the 25th of October, at the beautiful grounds of the White Point Hotel. As you come in from Kingsport direction, you go past woodlands. There's a beautiful and immaculate golf course. The weather is cold. There's definitely a chill in the air. There's a bit of sea mist coming in. And the the hotel looks very quiet. Uh, There are a few cars parked uh, in the barn. I think the barn is where the uh, cars are usually parked. Park the car in Camden Yard. I think Quincy will uh, will stumble forth from the car um, very shakily. And uh, so, never, I never quite uh, seen the uh, the shifting used so aggressively in the brakes. Used so little. Brakes were brakes. Well, you would you wouldn't want to wear them out. I, I understand. I, I do. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like you, you never driven your own car? Well, 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 I don't know how to drive, my dear lady. <laughs> oh, honey, you're missing out. Your driver says, yes, madam, it is typical normally to use the clutch when you're changing gears. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You keep talking. <laughs> Did I get us here or not? I'm faster than them, too. <laughs> oh, do you actually, should we, should we do a, a, a drive-off, a roll-off to see who did oh, get yeah. there fastest? <laughs> okay, you can, we both, you can both make a drive. You have to make a drive roll. My driver was driving. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. yeah. Vernon, Vernon Dane. All right, well, let's say he's got a 50. Oh, Vern, dude. Vernon oh, Dane. no, are you serious? That's goddamn right. Vernon Dane is a master. Man, it's such a good thing you didn't, you didn't roll two more because that would have been a fumble. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so Vernon is just like... So you don't quite understand how he's just keeping so far ahead of you until eventually you realise that he is such a confident driver. He he just cuts each bend. He cuts each corner. He doesn't stay on the right side of the road. He literally just goes straight down 
and you, you're being more sensible, so he he just gets ahead of you. And yeah, and then you. as Toots goes to like park the car and like goes to rip up the handbrake, she looks down at the handbrake and she's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, the smell of burning handbrake is um... all right. So, <laughs> so you park up. It's probably about four p.m. So um, maybe you stopped in Kingsport for lunch earlier. And then you drove a couple of hours and you're here. And, and it is beautiful. There's some headlands uh, with a pathway going down to the boathouse and a slipway. And there's a beautiful sandy beach. And uh, the Atlantic is it's relatively calm for this time of year. It's not, it's not very rough today. Everything seems quite still. It's beautiful. Beautiful. So you enter the hotel through this imposing lobby with a beautiful marble tiled uh, floor. You got these these semicircular steps up to these glass swinging doors, and then this long, imposing hotel. The White Point Hotel is a is a very chic establishment, and the receptionist is is standing there, and and he looks up, kind of nods to you, and then he says, "Welcome to the White Point. Uh, may I get you some help with your bags? Your men seem a bit overloaded." Well, go about it then. Don't just ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, yes, of course. I'll ring for someone, but uh, please come and sit down. I'll help you um, sign in. Are you here for the fishing? Uh, we don't have a reservation under your names. We have no more. Re- we, we do not have a reservation for you today. Are you, are you just a drop-in group, or do you what? have a reservation for Finch? Yes, yes, yes. Finch party of five. Oh, is, are you the Finch party? Uh huh. Good. Does good. it look like I'm here for fishing? It is rather fashionable these days to get out on one of the yachts and pull in a marlin or two. And she just, like, dead stares him. Like... <laughs> I've been known to pilot a yacht or two in my day. <laughs> By the way, Jules, like you, I'm not doing American accents today. I'm just... Everyone's going to be posh English <laughs> in this whole scenario. I know how it kind of goes, like, from Mickey Blue. You know, he's like, oh, Mickey Boo, rah, and, like, and the hara of it all but i can't i can't do it yeah, it's too thing. much it's too hard work i don't know how half of the words work so it doesn't make any sense i'm gonna do one there's one character who i will do an american accent for the others i'm not doing it so he asks you to sign in and i guess you all sign in and he says now would you care for a a sea view room or a garden view see see yeah see sea view wonderful wonderful now we have got some um poor visibility forecast for for this afternoon and for tomorrow but it's still quite quite charming Um, anyway okay champagne will distract me absolutely would you like me to send some up Uh uh-huh yes yes uh we have a lovely uh verve clicquot uh on ice i trust that will be to your taste it'll do (laughs) okay okay Uh, and he points to the to your man and to dainty's man and he also points to Lenny and he says, would your three men like to take the bags up? <laughs> Lenny quirks around and says, oh, I don't carry bags, sir. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, oh I'm terribly sorry. Are you, are you a guest as well? I'm, oh, I can't, I'm not counting properly. Yes, of course you are. I'm sorry. You just, you just look so striking. You, 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 Do you not recognize this man? He's the former middleweight champion of the world. He is? He is. This is Lenny goodness me well i don't really follow golf but uh, yes i'm very impressed very impressed we do have a golf course 
out the back if you want to practice, uh, Mr. Ben. Lenny just kind of snorts and says, just show us to our room. <laughs> like, clearly this dude's a buffoon. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. To God, um, if I'm not on my second glass of champagne in about 10 minutes, there is going to be trouble. <laughs> here, here. Now, now uh, just one thing. I'm afraid that the ballroom is um, off limits uh, this, uh, this this evening because there's an auction going on there. But you have the full run of the, the rest of the hotel, by all means. Um, I, I apologize for this, but um, uh, yes, it was, it was a, they've paid for the entire room. They've rented it out for the entire day, I'm afraid. But uh, the lounge and the special dining, we've opened up the uh, uh, reception room uh, next to the lounge for other guests to have dinner. Right, yes. See you in my room all in ten? Yes? Good. <laughs> and she just, like, walks up the stairs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you go up. Uh, what are the rest of you doing? What time is this auction going on? The auction is starting at 6pm in two hours. Well, then it's, it's time to eat, because I, thinking about it, I realized that I've probably only uh, had alcohol since about <laughs> 10am, and I just had the scariest car ride of my life. <laughs> So I'll be in the dining room um, yes. getting something to eat. As will I be. Okay. I'll join you, good sir. So you do, you ask for the dining room, and he says, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I apologize. The dining room and the ballroom, it's the same room. And he points to his left, to your right, and the big double doors, and it says, closed for private function. He says, but we will serve you whatever you want in the, in the lounge over to the other side. I'm, I, as I said, I'm terribly sorry. Uh, send someone around with a menu. Okay. Of course, Make up for this nonsense. Yes, it was terrible, terrible and professional. We never eat here otherwise. <laughs> Tuts has long gone up the stairs, but at the top of the stairs, she's like, oh, for Christ's sake, we'll eat in our rooms. Of course, room service. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yes. So vulgar. <laughs> It'll have to do. As you disappear upstairs, he's like, you haven't told me what you want for dinner. Yeah, she's just like making the gesture sign as she leaves, like, figure it out. Like, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. Whatever. She seems um, someone that might be looking after her figure. Should be? Uh, is there anything I should be avoiding? I wouldn't say that just, to her, young man. Just send up about three or four of everything. That should be fine. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and you can see he's, he's very flustered. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said it, Laren, because I was about to be like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> I'll eat like a fucking horse if I want to eat like a horse. Thank you. You already heard a grown man by sitting in his lap today. <laughs> I think you might have broken one of his kneecaps. Anyway, so the rest of you, uh, are you, you going to go to the lounge, yeah? No, I think we'll follow her up to the room so we can discuss our plan here while we okay, scarf okay. down food. All right, so... So as you walk in, Toots is like, throw, doesn't that thing where you like have the little partition and she's like throwing clothes over the top of it and she's talking to you guys all as she's drinking champagne? You get occasional snatches of her walking out, like bits of corset and like stocking, like holders kind of everywhere. And then she goes back in and she comes out in a dress, you know, like, and she's talking to you all. This is what's happening. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Is she always like this now? <laughs> I don't know her. Dainty knows her. No one really knows her. That's my kind of woman. <laughs> Isn't that every woman, Lenny? <laughs> Oh, you surely do not have smooth talking down, do you? You realize she can hear you. He's working on it, and it's incredibly fun to watch. It's like a thumbs up. <laughs> so, Toots, I thought you were coming up here to, like, talk us into this option. She's getting, like, you can, like, she pops her head out. She's, like, got, like, half a face of makeup on. She, like, pops her head back in. She's getting ready, basically, to put the glad 
super glad rags on to get down there to like she belongs there if you know what i mean yeah we're running the time's short i know how long it takes you dolls to get dressed up <laughs> and a shoe comes flying up <laughs> lenny rolls his eyes wow you guys are a bunch of ladies men aren't you <laughs> look at me lenny <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, TJ, go ahead. Is anyone else supremely disappointed that no one mentioned there was a golf course on premises? I haven't even brought my clubs. Do you play? Absolutely. Perhaps a loaner set will be made available. But here we are arriving at four, like a bunch of Johnny come latelys. Really have time for golf, do we? No, we don't. And that's why I'm upset. Oh, uh, I see. Uh, you're all in um, Toots's huge suite. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, she's got the biggest one out of all. All of you. In the Toots suite? No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, the Toots suite. Proceed, yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's good. All right, uh, and she has a, a magnificent view. It is, of course, getting a bit dark now, and there's still a decent view out over the sea, but you can see the sea mist starting to just kind of gently roll in. So it's a beautiful sort of early fall evening in, in Massachusetts. And, and then your food is brought up. It's mainly steak-based, I would say. Steak based with pepper sauces. TJ, are you going to take the piss out of me if I describe the food? <laughs> Dainty would want you to describe the food. No, I, I really think that we need some more flavor. <laughs> okay, so you were brought out some porterhouse steaks with a lovely pepper and cream sauce, some dauphinoise potatoes, and some uh, glazed baby carrots. Oh my God, that's how that's said. I've never heard it said before. What? The potatoes. Oh, dauphinoise. Okay. <laughs> dauphinoise, yeah. <laughs> I read a... a lot of things that I never know how they're actually pronounced. <laughs> oh, dauphinoise potatoes are just the best. Oh my God, they're good. <sighs> just from your pronunciation, I knew that you love them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to eat potatoes anymore. They're banned from our household. Oh dear. Yeah, and pasta. Ouch. And pasta. Can you imagine? I feel so bad now because I, I suddenly realized that this is the fantasy role-playing that Andy enjoys <laughs> and talking about the foods he can't eat. And I've been, like, making fun of him for it. I was going to say, we're all, like, waiting for the story, and he's, like, getting all cozy with talking about the food he can't so eat. We talk about carbs. Andy, I don't want to know where your hands are when you're talking about that. Oh, Just, come on. I'm, I'm getting a real apple pie thing going on in my brain. <laughs> He's, like, hand oh, handling an empty, like, frying pan while he's talking about it, <laughs> staring at it longingly. Uh, Googling pictures of dauphinoise potatoes. Andy, right. come on. Admit it. You love us. <laughs> I, yeah, I do. Okay, you finish your meals. Very good, of course. And uh, let's say it's quarter to five now. It's been 45 minutes. Uh, all your luggage is in your rooms. Um, the auction will be starting in just over an hour. What do you want to do? Cliff will go to his room real quick and, like, just freshen up, change his jacket. Get his and... elephant gun. <laughs> no, he's going to grab his brass knuckles, though. He's going to throw his brass knuckles in his pocket. He's not bringing it. He didn't bring his elephant gun. Uh, well, yeah, he did. He's just not bringing it into the auction with him. Yeah, yeah. It's in the car. It's in the, it's yeah. in the car. Can I pose a question to the group? Mm-hmm. Is there any way that anyone can think of that we could purchase the item at the auction? but not give them the $6,000. Well, that's easy. We just write out a fake banker's check. We have one. We know what it looks like. Right. Who would be the best one of us to partake of such an endeavor? Because I see it as the best of both worlds if we get the super secret magical 
laboratory item and six thousand dollars plus five hundred dollars. I'm still each. not entirely sure that six thousand is going to be enough to purchase it anyway. So I love your nefarious schemingness, but the way a banker's draft works is it's to the um, recipient. It's it's made out to the recipient, so you wouldn't be able to cash it. It's not like a cash. Who's, who's it made out to right now? It's made out to Daniel Wade. That's so all the... we need to do is fake being Daniel Wade to cash it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd also have to get some access to his bank account because it's made out to his bank. Have you seen Ocean's Eleven? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you can come up with a, a cl- clever way of doing that, maybe I got five percent disguise. Yeah, maybe disguise. <laughs> Actually, so someone has got disguise. One of you, I, I, think. I have a little disguise. I have forty. Well, that's, well, that makes that's sense. good. Yeah, yeah, you're the actor. Yeah, yeah. And a bit totally. of acting. <laughs> Oh, God, I can see where this is going. Yeah, you could be Daniel Ward. (laughs) Okay. We can live like kings. Well, actually, if you do become him, we could kidnap him, and then he could do the silent auction, and we could win it, because he could just announce that we won it. Nobody needs to know, because it's a blind auction. Nobody needs to know what the bid actually was that won it. We just need to get him to say that we won it. Absolutely. And then after the check is cashed, maybe we take him... (laughs) down the slipway and onto a boat. And I could drive the boat away. I'm, I'm pretty good at driving boats. All right, so we've gone from, just, just to recap, we've gone from trying to save the world to kidnapping and murder. I don't know that any of us were ever trying to save the world. Well, that was what Andy was trying to get us to do, right? We'll still give the world weird thing and prototype back. Like, I don't want it. Do you want it? Like, I don't have any use for that, but I do have a use for that money. I mean, imagine the elephants you could kill with that thing. It'd be wonderful. <laughs> there wouldn't be much left of them, though. That's the only problem. <laughs> yeah. No one would ever know you killed them because yeah. there would be no evidence. For okay. <laughs> In all seriousness, what is our plan right now? Because we have talked a lot of things right, right here. <laughs> I think you're going to try and talk us into the auction, maybe? Yeah, 100%. Yep, with the letter of introduction and... And fast talk or whatever. Because, swear to God, I must have used all my bad rolls by now. Like, (laughs) That's what you think. (laughs) And then... (laughs) But we'll give it a shot, anyway. Well, I mean, I could go and do some snooping about and seeing if this Daniel Ward person is actually, like, someone that is even vaguely my same shape, size, form that I I might be able to impersonate. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, cool. That does make sense. All of this is will be good information for us to have. And if, you know, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm never for anything that's not a sure thing. So if we can't pull this off clean, then obviously we'll go a different route. But I'd at least like to know what the possibilities are. I think it's smart. I think we can always put in our bid. Our bid isn't going to change anyway, no matter what. So we might as well do that part still. And then see if we, and investigate the other options around it, just in case that doesn't work. Yeah, and like maybe Lenny and I can keep an eye out for any tufts from this Ursa Foundry organization. Yeah, sure. Maybe I'll go try to talk some people up and see what kind of bids you're getting put in. Okay, so that seems like a reasonable plan. Uh, Toots, are you going to go on your own to try and talk to this uh, uh, this lawyer guy to get get in, or are you going to go with someone? No, because the lawyer is Daniel Wade, right? Yeah. So I, I, I might as well take Quincy with me. That makes the most sense. Okay, yeah. so Toots and Quincy go down. So you, you go down, and the rest of you, 
there were some people in the lounge when you went up, so maybe some of them might be participants. It might be uh, it might be worth checking out some of the people in the lounge. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, let's deal with uh, Toots and Quincy first. So um, you go up to the double doors to the ballroom that uh, where the sign is up for the auction. Um, you open the door, and there's a young, rather good-looking man sitting at the nearest table, and he's going through a bunch of documents, and he looks up when you come in, and he says... Uh, can I help you? Toots walks straight over, holding the letter in her hand, and is like, "Why, well, yes, I think you can. In fact, you might be the only person who can, and she sort of puts her hand on his shoulder. You know this is a private uh, auction tonight? Yes, I do. That's why I'm here. Okay. And um, who might you be? I glance quickly at Quincy because I didn't check if we were going with our real names and then <laughs> she was like she's like ah oh, fuck it I'm tits you know like everybody knows who I am and I don't want to get caught in the lies so she's like tits from New York maybe you've heard of me I can't say I have I'm sure I would have remembered if I had tits from NY yeah <laughs> it doesn't really matter whether you remember me or not Lionel Finch sent us here and I hand over the letter He's wearing a very well-tailored suit. He's lean and well-manicured, grey silk. You can tell he's a New Yorker as well, with my perfect New York accent there. And uh, he takes the letter from you in his well-manicured hands, and he, he opens it, and he, says, and he looks at it, and he says, Professor Finch, can't say I've heard of him. Uh, what is his interest in the, in the auction tonight? Who is he representing? Very, very important people who wish to uh, remain... Uh... So we say, in the shadows. Seeing as himself is chair-bound, he has sent us instead. I see, I see. And you, uh, what's your interest in this, sir? I'm here with the lady, and I would, uh, I would say that you should talk to her. Oh, everybody needs some arm candy, wouldn't you say, Daniel? And she, like, grins at him. He says, ah! Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Now, uh, so you'll need a table for two, yeah? We may have some friends joining us. Uh, their interests are also aligned with Lionel, and in fact, one of them actually has the banker's check. Will that be a problem? No, I mean, if your money's good, you're good. Right, well, make it a table for four, just in case they decide to all four of them to turn up. There's five of you, by the way. Oh, five of us. Yeah, true. <laughs> I can't count. <laughs> says, okay, well, look, I'm afraid the front three tables have already been taken, uh, but... I'm sure you won't have a problem with moving one of them. You can squeeze your behind in on that table there. That's okay. I'll sort it out. Squeeze this lovely lady into a table behind? Don't you know nobody puts juts in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> he says, that's a catchy little phrase you got there. I'll have to make a note of it. So, uh... Yeah, yeah, you, you do that while you're rearranging the tables for Miss Tuts. I tell you what, we'll, we'll bring this one up, okay? So you can get a good look. Anyway, look, here's the auction schedule. It's You better get your skates on, because we've got the demonstration starting in, in like an hour. And he hands you this piece of paper. So according to this, the auction, uh, the demonstration of the disintegrator will be in the garden at 6 p.m. Dinner will be served with compliments of the auction at eight. And at nine, the first round of bidding will be in the dining room. And then 9.30, uh, there will be a second and final round. And the highest bidder will take position 
following the satisfactory exchange of capital. So, payment to be made in full within one day. So um, he hands you this and he says, uh, so that's all clear. Now, um, of course, we will need proof of funds. I take it you have documentation? Absolutely, and also a Bentley Blue Train Roadster in the barn. Do you need any more proof? Oh, that's a beautiful ride. The brakes are pristine. <laughs> he says, uh, well, Toots, uh, maybe I'll uh, take you out for a spin later. Oh, I enjoy that. <laughs> he gives you this wolfish grin. And she sort of goes, wow, back at him as uh, she wanders off to the table. He's a werewolf, dude. He's still a werewolf. <laughs> oh, no, just to be clear, the auction, I mean, no one's in the room. They're just setting up the tables for later on. Oh, I know, but she, like, she checks on the table, grabs, like, you know, grabs a glass, like, you know, puts her fur on the chair, you know, like that kind of stuff as you do when you walk into a place like that. Yeah. Okay, okay. He says, um, no, you may, you might want to keep that. It gets a bit chilly, uh. Once the sun goes down, we're going to be outside for the demonstration in, in an hour or so. Uh, I will want you to get goose pimples. And she's like, I'm sure you can find a way to uh, warm me up instead. And she's sort of like, <laughs> she, yeah. He's like taken aback for a second, but then his, uh, his smooth and oily charm kicks in again. <laughs> and he says, too right, too right. Well, look, it's been a pleasure, Miss Toots. I hope we can uh, maybe get a catch a drink after all the business is done later. Yeah, and she nods kind of dismissively, <laughs> like, and is like, yeah, pleasure will be mine later if I decide so. Well, look, I mean, it's kind of time is up, especially for the East Coasters. So uh, I think that's a reasonable point to, to leave it. You've got into the auction. You've, you've made a splash. You went chaotic evil briefly <laughs> we just discussed going chaotic evil <laughs> we just discussed going chaotic evil it's always on the table we just didn't make it up <laughs> gotta cover all the bases I'm totally figuring that Tuts is gonna roofie this dude and I'm gonna take his place that's the plan that's amazing well I mean to be honest if I have to keep him busy somehow I can think of a few ways to do that you know without necessarily having to roofie the guy that's all I'm saying you know okay so like this is I must have a mean streak because I really really want you to do that because of the effect it will have on Andy <laughs> just let me clearly state that would give me quite the kick <laughs> can I just say that probably quite a few people including George Pelfrey the scientist know him pretty well I'm just saying that you know just as a little yeah you yeah. have to be a pretty damn good disguise role to pull that one off but hey we got Australia's best actors so. I would love to see it I would love and to see it and he can always say it's a demonstration of his acting if it all goes wrong and it's just like applause applause you know it's just acting oh wonderful the old John Levitt skits <laughs> That was really good fun, guys. I, yeah, I love playing everybody. with you all. Yeah, that, that was, was fun. Yeah, that was nice. Always a pleasure to get together with you crazy cats. <laughs>